Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Happy Easter. Jesus is risen. Risen never to die again. Shall we pray? Everlasting Father, how can we ever thank you for the joy of Easter Sunday? You have done for mankind what no other God or person can ever do. You have given us a message of hope, a message of life beyond the grave, a message of resurrection after death, a message of assurance that this world is not the end. How can we thank you? We invite you once again. We ask that your spirit will come and open our eyes as we plow through the scriptures to give us what is on your heart concerning the results of Easter Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you a story which has caused me to take a decision in life that even if no one will celebrate Easter Sunday, I will for the rest of my life. When I went to the university, in the very first year at the University of Ghana, Legon, I started talking to my mates and friends about Jesus Christ. And some people started mocking. And some said, look, you are in the university. Do you still believe in this myth and story? I was so shattered, so devastated that I went to the university library, the BAM library. Every big history book from the time of Jesus Christ, I pulled it down. And I combed the books. And for the first time in my life as a Christian, I discovered that Jesus was a historical person. I read Josephus, I read Suetonius, I read Tacitus, and I read Pliny the Younger. And I, as I explored the history of Jesus' crucifixion, his death under Pontius Pilate, and his resurrection on the third day, I came away confident, knowing that I can face any academician in the world who challenges the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I throw it out to any human being in the world for a debate over the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the most proved truth from antiquity with evidence so strong, stronger even than the lives of people like Alexander the Great, Socrates, and Julius Caesar, Charlemagne, and all. Therefore, anybody who does not examine the facts of Jesus' resurrection, but kicks it aside, is committing intellectual suicide. You are refusing to face the facts of Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus is the strongest foundation on which Christianity is built. 
If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then Christianity is a waste. Our Bible must be bent. Our chapels must be destroyed. All churches must be closed. Christianity is saying that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. Muhammad is not claiming resurrection. Buddha is not claiming resurrection. Zoroaster is not claiming resurrection. When we gather around Nelson Mandela, we gather around Kwame Nkrumah, we are not gathering around a living person. We are gathering around somebody who is dead. But when we gather around Jesus Christ, we are gathering around somebody who died and rose from the dead. He said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, he said, when I saw him, that's John, I fell at his feet as dead. And he placed his hands on me and said, fear not. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the living one. I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. And the keys of death and Hades, they are in my hands. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We celebrate that every Easter Sunday. And we thank God for today. Now we have been looking at a series and three Sundays ago I spoke about justification. Then last Sunday I worked on our union with Jesus Christ. And today I am tackling the topic sanctification. 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 It is true. Some of our viewers have expressed that, well, if we are talking about how Jesus became our righteousness and we are talking about our union with Jesus, then it means the Christian can continue in sin and he does not need to change his character. This morning, Easter Sunday, I want to bring out the Bible's position, the Christian's position on sanctification, holiness, as a result of our oneness with Jesus Christ. Please, let's do a quick revision. We have seen that Justification means just as if I have never sinned. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, the Bible says that he who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What we are saying is that we have been declared guilty sinners because of what our first forefather Adam and grandmother Eve did. When they fell into sin, Romans chapter 5 verse 12 all the way to 21 says we fell with them. And we had a sinful nature as a result. But God, according to Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, God has declared anybody who believes in Jesus Christ, as freed, forgiven, not only is sin blotted out, but God gives us a gift of righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is given to us as a gift. And we are made righteous in the eyes of God 
because of the work of Jesus Christ. That is the meaning of justification. God justified us. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 to 34 says, What shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, what is there that he will not also add to it for us? It is God who justifies, who can condemn, who can lay any charge against the elect. So Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the second series on our union with Christ, I tried to prove from the Bible that when phrases like in Christ, in him, with Christ, with him, are used in the Bible over 216 times, the Bible says God has put us together with Christ. So, we were crucified with Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ in baptism. Romans 6, 3 and 4. And Ephesians 2, 5 and 6 says that we were made alive together with Christ. And we were raised together with Christ. And we have been made to sit together with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus himself said in John 14, 20, In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. So the scripture is very clear that the Christian is not only in Christ, but Christ is in us. And that was a subject matter for last week. Today, I want to explain the third big step in Christianity, which we call sanctification. Sanctification came into English from Latin, sanctus, meaning holy. And to sanctify, hagiasmus is a Greek word. It just means to set apart. To set apart. But things are not only set apart in one way. According to sanctification, we are set apart from sin, from Satan's pollution, and from the pollution of the world, and set apart for God. We are set apart for becoming like Christ. We are set apart for the indwelling and leadership of the Holy Spirit until we accomplish God's call on our life. Therefore, this is the definition of sanctification. Sanctification is the process, the step-by-step way in which God takes a Christian and begins to set him apart from sin, Satan and the world and gradually change him into the image of Jesus to do God's will under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I hope that explains it. Now, this means that sanctification has different stages. 
in justification, all Christians are equally justified. There is no Christian who is more justified than another Christian. There is no Christian who is more born again than another Christian. We are all equally justified. Equally children of God. But in sanctification or holiness, one Christian can be more holy than another Christian. Why? Because sanctification or holiness comes in three big blocks. In block one, from God's side, all Christians, all his children have been made holy. We are going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. And the work of Jesus on the cross has already sanctified us, made us clean before God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Now, you need to understand that by one sacrifice on the cross, Jesus has made us clean. He has sanctified us forever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, the Bible says, You were all thieves, homosexuals, adulterers, fornicators, such were some of you. But you have been cleansed, you have been sanctified, you have been justified in the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, in that sense, God has already sanctified Christians. He has made us holy. So you see that in the address of Paul in Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, he refers to Christians as saints, meaning holy ones. But that's only the first part of sanctification the second part of sanctification is the progressive sanctification it is the step by step way in which through the help of the Holy Spirit and the word of God one by one progressively a person becomes holier and holier and holier. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled or open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another by the Spirit. This means it is not the same day you have become born again, you are justified that you suddenly become completely holy. It is a growth. According to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he says, like newborn babes, earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ Ephesians chapter five, 4 verse 15 and 16 says we should speak the truth in love and by this grow up together into the head who is Jesus Christ if there is a growth if there is a progressive step by step, it means every Christian 
must begin to clean up his life for what you used to, to be and put on the new person that you now are. Please notice that part of your becoming holier, cleaner is by the Holy Spirit. That is the Second Corinthians 3.18 we read. But First John chapter 3 verse 3 says, anyone who has this hope that when Jesus comes, you will be like him, you purify yourself as Jesus is pure. First John chapter 3 verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, this brings a big discussion. And before I, I jump into that discussion, I want to mention the third kind of sanctification. That is what we call the ultimate sanctification. Perfect sanctification. It means when Jesus comes the second time, he will complete our holiness and blamelessness and we shall be like him. So this one is in 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. He says that when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. And at that time, we shall be perfectly holy. First John chapter 3 verse 2. Yes. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Okay. Now, for the rest of the discussion, Christians are quite divided on this position. Some Christians say that Jesus has done it all. Jesus has taken my sin. Jesus became sin for me. Therefore, I don't do anything. For me, I just live there. I stay. Why? Why are you troubling me that I should clean up my life? Then, a second group of Christians to say, Hey, look, you must do everything to be holy by yourself. Look, you have to struggle and strive on your own. But the Bible position on sanctification is the one I'm going to give you now. It is the third position. This third position says that we are working together with God to become holier, purer, more blameless day by day. So, let us look at some of the verses. The one I like, first of all, to throw up to you is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you to will and to do according to his own pleasure. Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. No Christian should just sit down. Oh, for me. Then you go to church and say, Pastor, pray for me. And when you do that, you are not serious about your salvation. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You For God... Yes, this is the second part. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his own pleasure. 
It means what you are doing, God is the one who is energizing you, who is giving you grace, who is giving you ability and strength so that you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are in a partnership with God. You do your part and God does his part. God will not do your part. You cannot do God's part. This is the reason why you find passages like 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. It says, keep yourself pure. You, the duty to keep yourself pure is yours. In 2 Timothy, I want us to read that one. Chapter 2, from verse 19 to 21. The Bible says that God knows those who are his. And anyone who names the name of the Lord should depart from iniquity. Second Timothy the, chapter the, 2. Yes. 19 to 21. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Anyone. Anyone who names the name of the Lord should depart from iniquity. The proof that you belong to Jesus is that you are working to clean up your life and leave sin, leave your old kind of life behind. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. Important passage. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. But also of wood and clay. But wood also and clay some for honorable use some for dishonorable some for honorable use some for dishonorable use therefore if anyone cleanses himself I like that therefore if anyone cleanses himself therefore if anyone cleanses himself therefore if anyone anyone cleanses himself it is not God who will do that for you you have to clean up your own life From you cannot is... be bought by the blood of Jesus washed by the blood of Jesus and then still keep a dirty life many of us live for every good work you see if you come to my house now and I have a silver cup or a golden cup which has not been used for five years now and it's dirty. And then I have a plastic cup which has been washed and we is in use. Which one do you think I will use to fetch water for you? You see, the golden cup, the silver cup, they are precious, they are important, they are, you know, very expensive. But they are dirty. The rubber cup is cheap, but it is clean. In God's house, in Christianity, in the church, we see certain people, they look big and important, but their lives are dirty and God cannot use them. They are not vessels of honor in the hand of the master of the house. But some people in the church are common. They are ordinary. They haven't, you know, got too much money. They haven't gone to school uh, too much and things. But their lives are cleaner. And you look at them and you see that when God wants a vessel to use, he will rather choose them. Now, let's read 2 Corinthians. We are reading chapter 7. We are, I want us to read only verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Yes. Since we have these promises. Since we have these promises. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of spirit and body. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. You see, the scripture is very clear that cleaning up your life you have been given grace to do it. But look at what it says. It says we should clean our spirit and our body, our flesh. Why? 
You see, as we go through life, there are three areas that make us dirty. One is our own heart. In Mark chapter 7, from verse 21 to 23, the Bible says that out of the heart comes adultery, evil thoughts, lying, stealing, cursing, foolishness. Those things come out of the heart. Mark they, seven. they make you dirty. Yes. From verse 21 to 23. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Yes. Sexual immorality. Correct. Theft. Theft. Murder. Yeah. Adultery. Coveting. Wickedness. Deceit. Sensuality. Envy. Slander. Pride. Foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. They come from within and make you dirty. This is why Matthew chapter 5 verse 28, Jesus said that you have heard that you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have already committed adultery with her. You have become dirty before God. Now, I know what you are thinking. I say, First John chapter 1 verse 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and clean us from all unrighteousness with the blood of Jesus. Yes. But is the blood of Jesus so cheap that every time you go and sin, oh the blood of Jesus clean me, clean me. Then you go and do it again and come and say yes, mojano. Then uh, you, you clean. Then you go and fall into the sin again and come. You know, are you making a mockery of Jesus Christ and the blood which bought you on Good Friday? Do you? The, the salvation you have is free, but it's not cheap. It costs God the blood of his son. So First John chapter 2 verse 1, he says that, little children, I'm writing this to you so that you don't sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate, a lawyer with the father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But the second place where death, sin, pollution, defilement comes from is our contact with the world as we move through life we meet people our culture the way things are done in the office and you know in the neighborhood at school there is something which the bible calls worldly culture James chapter 1 verse 27 says true religion is that you should visit the orphans and the widows in the affliction and keep yourself unspotted from the world james chapter 1 verse 27 yes religion that is pure and undefiled before god the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction yes and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Keep yourself unstained from the world. Keep yourself unstained from the world. Why? Because James chapter 4 verse 4 says, anybody who makes himself a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Friendship with God, with the world is enemy with God. Things which unbelievers love and thrive on. The movies, uh, the, the, the kinds of internet websites and so on which unbelievers who don't know jesus go and the type of songs they 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 devour the way they dress the way they do their things that is what we call the world james what, 4 4 yes you adulterous people do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god friendship with the world makes you an enemy of god 
Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world yes. makes himself an enemy of God. First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17 says, Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. And that all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is not from the Father. It's John from, fifteen to seventeen. Yes. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Correct. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. <laughs> the world is passing away. Along it's, with its desires. It's not only COVID. 19. It's not coronavirus alone which can kill you. Other things can kill you. The world is passing away. And the things that are in the world. Yes. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. But the third area where we get our pollution from is Satan and his demons. They are called evil spirits. They are called wicked spirits. They are called demonic spirits. Why? Because they defile you. They tempt you and make you dirty before God. So, you can see that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, Peter warns us that, look, be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, is going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. Resisting firmly in your faith. First Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says that, May the God of peace sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body, so that he can present you blameless before him, himself on that day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Not not only that you must understand that as you clean your life out from sin from satan and from the world it's not enough just to say i want i don't want to be defiled no holiness sanctification involves also that now that you have put away sin from your life you should become a slave of righteousness. Romans chapter 6 from verse 16 to 18. You now become a slave of righteousness to do God's will. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says, Jesus, he humbled himself and he became obedient to God to the point of death. Even death on the cross. You see, in cleaning up your life, you have to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which has excess and debauchery, but be filled. Keep on being filled with God's spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit, they are the children of God. So, in that, you now, part of holiness is you become more and more like Jesus. Why? Because that is what God wants for every child of his. Romans 8.29 says, Those whom God foreknew, he predestined that they should be conformed to the image of his son, so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 says that, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, till we present every man perfect. In Christ Jesus. Why do we have apostles? Why do we have prophets? Why do we have evangelists, pastors and teachers? 
Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11 to 13 says that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for equipping the saints, preparing the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ till we all attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is maturity. So, God wants every Christian to imitate Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21, 22 says, This is why you have been called. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should walk in his steps. First John chapter 2, verse 6. He says, Anyone who says he abides in Jesus ought to walk as Jesus walked. You see? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now the last part of this message I want to give you some five practical steps for sanctification. Number one the first person in charge of making you holy is the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible calls him the spirit of sanctification. In the 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are told that it is the Holy Spirit who is making us become more and more like Jesus. So it is the Spirit's job to change us, to become like Jesus. So Ezekiel chapter 36 from verse 25 to 27 says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my commandments and my statutes. John chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, Jesus says, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. But what is born of the spirit is spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the active agent from God who helps us to become holy, to be sanctified. Number two, the word of God. According to Jesus, in John 15 verse 3, he says, you have been made clean by the words I have spoken to you. John 17, 17. He says, Jesus was praying. He said, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. John chapter 8 verse 31, 32. Jesus told those who believe in him that if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free and Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 to 27 says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her and he sanctified her by the washing of the water of the word anytime you read your bible you become cleaner Anytime you study your Bible, you get to know God's mind and God's heart and God's will. So the word of God itself buffs you and cleans you. Number three is the blood of Jesus. In Acts 26 verse 18, Paul was telling King Agrippa that he preaches to those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. And the blood of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, Our consciences have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Whenever we come to fellowship together, the blood of Jesus cleans us, washes us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 29 says the blood with which blood of the covenant 
with which we were sanctified. The fourth thing that helps us to become clean, to become holy, is your personal dedication and commitment to become closer to God and live your former life. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 to 24 says put off the old man and put on the new man. Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 says that this new man has been fashioned after the righteousness and holiness of the one who created it. So put off your old man with his deeds and put on the new man. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 he says put to death the works of the flesh by the Holy Spirit. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Well, all the way from verse 3. He says, you are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear, you appear with him. Therefore, put to death the things that are in you which are of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, idle talk and those things. Put them off. Therefore, you must personally be committed to holiness. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 says that Jesus loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Some Christians, I don't understand them. They walk at the edge of the gutter. Is there anything wrong with it? Are you saying a Christian should not do this too? Oh, for me, I don't see anything wrong with it. Eh? For me, like, why do you walk at the gutter edge when the whole road is there? Eh? Then you try to tell your conscience that, well, where is it written in the Bible that we shouldn't smoke? Me, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that we shouldn't smoke. Eh? The Bible says you can drink. It's just that we shouldn't be drunk. In fact, Timothy was asked to take a little wine. So you people, oh, oh, all the time, don't drink, don't drink. It's only that we are not to be drunk. So such Christians, their life is just at the gutter's edge. Then they balance themselves so that they won't fall. That, no, 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 no. Is that the price to pay for the Jesus who loved you and died for you? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of God compels us. He died for us. We should no longer live for ourselves. Romans chapter 14 verse 7 to 9 says whether we live we are the Lord. When we die, we are the Lord. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord. This is why Jesus both died and rose again. That he will be Lord both of the living and the dead. So, this is important. Now, the final agent that helps you to clean up your life is fellow Christians who are living a clean life. Proverbs chapter uh, 27 verse 17 says, Just as iron sharpens iron, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, If you walk with wise men, you will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15 33, he says, Don't be deceived. Bad company destroys good character. See? Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25. He says, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, don't go. Lest you learn his ways and get a snare for your soul. The truth is that your friends, the people you move with, they can either make you dirty before God or make you clean before God. 2 Corinthians 6 from verse 14. He says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You are, you are the temple of the living God. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate and I will receive you and you will be my sons and daughters. Brothers and sisters, let me bring the message to a close. We have been looking at justification. It's clear that for nothing which we did, God shed the blood of his son on our behalf and pronounced us righteous and cleansed us 
and forgave us our sins. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our sins from us. Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 8 verse 11 and 12. He says, there are sins and iniquities I will remember no more. God justifies us. God has called us righteous. We, we have come before him in the righteousness of Christ by faith. Not only that, he put us in Christ. We were crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ in baptism. We were raised with Jesus, made alive, and made to sit together with Christ in the heavenly places, far above every principality and power. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 3.27 He says as many people as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ as a dress. And Ephesians 3.16 He says being strengthened with might in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 says our outward man is perishing but our inward man is being renewed day by day. God is cleansing us from inside strengthening us with the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4 4 he says little children you are of God you have overcome them for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 and 5 he says anyone who is born of God overcomes the world because by our faith we overcome the world faith in Christ Jesus we have already read it Philippians 2 13 it says God is at work in us to will and to do according to his own pleasure brothers and sisters this Easter can be a turning point in your Christian life you can take hold of the resources that God has given us and clean up your life Live a sanctified, holy life. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men and the holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And my own version, which is not in the Bible, is cursed are the impure in heart, for they shall see the devil. We need to live lives which are sanctified so that unbelievers can see us and be attracted to our Jesus. And those who are in the church can see us as examples and grow in their faith because of us. Happy Easter once again. My prayer is that from this day, you will call upon God, call upon the Holy Spirit to come and strengthen you to live a clean life so that God can use you as a vessel. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Men's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensministries.org. God bless you.